Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY. You can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I'm a Fudo fan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at fudofan.com. And this is episode, I believe this is、uh, 64, Jacob. That's what you wrote. <laughs> so I'm hoping that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, I am still in the United States. It's another sunny day in New York.、Um, but we'll talk a bit about that later.、Mm. How have you been doing, Jacob?、Uh, been very busy with work. And、um, it's considered to be autumn now. So, so after Obon, it's considered to be autumn. So, you already see you know, various autumn themed things in the supermarkets. But it's still like 35 degrees outside. So, it doesn't feel like autumn. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you, you got the Halloween stuff out yet? I haven't seen any Halloween stuff yet, but I've seen my curry flavored、uh, Kit Kat, so I think that's a sign that autumn is approaching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and of course, Japan takes the seasons very, very seriously. Um, in case you haven't been to Japan, Halloween is the entire month of. Uh, October and then on November 1st, Christmas starts. Yeah, the day after Halloween, exactly. exactly. Everybody knows that, right? <laughs> and also,、uh, people actually do sometimes take a bit of time off during August, and I think that's one of the reasons why we don't have much in the way of like, Japanese pen news in this episode.、Uh, but I think in this episode, we'll have、uh, some things.、Uh, Looking forward, right? Not things that have necessarily happened, right? But right.、Um, things are kind of、uh, getting into motion for, for the fall season, but we'll talk about、yeah. that a little bit. All right, so、um, let's talk a little bit about again new acquisitions、um, that we've kind of neglected for, for a while. But、um, I'll start on my side after the DC pen show. So last time we talked,、uh, it had just Been the end of, I believe, the Friday on DC Pen Show, and then I had Saturday and Sunday left. So、um, the entire show went by like a flash.、Uh, my butt didn't leave the, the chair, so you know, I almost feel like I didn't even go to the show because I wasn't really able to see any of the other vendors.、Mm. Um, but I did manage to snag a few things,、uh, not necessarily for my own personal use. But I think it's going to be、uh, you know, good for you know, quote unquote research and also some fun things for Akane. So I got these.、Uh, well, first of all,、um, I had been talking to Ben Walsh from Gravitas Pens for quite a while now.、Um, mm. And、uh, we are trying to work on a few projects together. But、uh, I managed to get two pens from Ben Walsh. Uh, the first one, well, they're both the, the little pocket pens,、um, the small ones that, you know, really adorable,、uh, but the metal ones probably could, could be a weapon <laughs> given how、uh, pointy the ends are. I got two of those.、Uh, the first one I got was one in polycarbonate.、Uh, so this was the clear、uh, frosted demonstrator.、Mm. Um, and that one is、uh, a blast.、Uh, that one. I think really does beg to be eyedroppered. Whereas the other one 
has um, the rainbow um, coating on it and I believe that one uh, I want to say is I want to say is steel um, mm. uh, but yeah that one is uh, is also really really cool I have two thoughts about what you said just now the first thought is I never seen you showing any pocket pens in your collection ever before so why suddenly pocket pens um I think the particular to um, particular to Gravitas I think the pocket pen is the best design um, in terms of uh, proportion I think the other models sometimes they have a really strong taper to the end so I think uh, this pocket pen in particular I think uh, is really well balanced uh, to me visually and um, second of all I think it's funny, um, and it's not true. I've I have shown one pocket pen in my collection before, and that is the Toma pen, and I have it for similar reasons. Yeah, okay. Well, that doesn't really count. That that one is just like a big joke <laughs> in the in the best possible well, way. I think I think the um, the Ben Walsh design ones are are very similar because I I don't have the size eight sections but you can put you can put king of pen nibs into one of these pocket pens (laughs) so um so i think the the amusement factor because usually pocket pens have really small nibs um but this one you can put a full size six nib in it um you can put stack nibs in it um so so i think it is quite fun and quite funny and particularly for the polycarbonate one, I am planning on doing some lacquer uh, or experimenting with some lacquer uh, on it. So stay tuned. But so my, my second thought is about what you said about eyedropping. So I think everyone probably knows that eyedropping a pen is not without risk. And most people who have been eyedropping pens have a disaster story or two to tell. And if you're eyedropping a pocket pen, isn't that like a recipe for disaster? Um, so yeah, I think at least for this polycarbonate one, it, it has been designed to be eyedroppered. So there are copious amounts of O-rings. You put a little grease on there. I'm not too mm. worried. I mean, I've eyedroppered Kaveco Sports before. Mm. So um, yeah, Let's just say I'm a risk taker. <laughs> but what you want to put is in your, like, let's say, like jeans pockets, especially in the winter where you go between, like, very uh, cold and very warm. Okay, okay. Yeah, that that assumes that I put my pocket pens in my pockets. Isn't that sort of the, the whole <laughs> paradigm? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I still keep them in my pen case. Mm. Yeah, but... um. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's they're fun, and I believe you have a gravitas pen as well. Yeah, so I recently got one. I'm not sure what what the model name is, but I guess it's like a full size, but in white Deldrin, I think. Is that how you, if yeah, that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the grip section is metal, but it's not slippery because it has this grooves i guess on them which which makes them quite grippy so you get the best part 
of metal section, which is you know the the white balance, without the the the, the slippery uh, problems that you have with so like a sailor metal section. So that part I like quite well. This my particular pen has a bit of a cross threading problem. I'm not sure if that is just my pen because I have a sample size of one. So I don't know if that's happens to other people. Yeah, um, but we'll play with them once I get back. Mm. Uh, and I have found that most of these parts are interchangeable. Mm. So um, it's funny also to see like a rainbow anodized section inside the inside the um, frosted demo. Mm. Yeah, although the 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 dimensions are slightly different, they are still interchangeable. Okay. Okay. That, that that allows for some interesting experiments, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the other thing that I got from the DC Pen Show was um, this hand painted Caveco. Now, usually I'm not, you know, too much into these Cavecos because I think they kind of look boring. You know, all this um, controversy aside, I think they just look kind of boring. I mean, they're cute, but they're not that great writers. Um, so I've never really personally invested in a Kaveco before. Mm. The only Kaveco that um, that we have is the iridescent um, Kaveco, the iridescent pearl, mm. which, you know, the, the material is cool. So so we got that one. But um, there was Lady who was selling these hand-painted Kavecos. And I have seen these online before. Mm. And these are just the most intricately drawn um, pens that I think totally transform the experience of even owning a Kaveco Sport. Have you seen these before? Not before you did that Instagram post. So that was the first time I saw it. And I, I agree. I mean, these are absolutely beautiful. I'm sure this just takes a lot of time, a lot of effort to, to make these kind of um, paintings. My only question about that, and it sort of goes back to this whole thing about using a pocket pen as a pocket pen. This is not something you would want to put in your jeans pocket with your keys and your, <laughs> your with your phone, right? Yeah, no, don't put these with your keys. So my only question is, Jada, why, why, I mean, if if you can do this kind of design, which again is absolutely beautiful, why do it on a pocket pen rather than with a full-size pen that people typically, you know, put in like a pen case and, and treat more carefully than a pocket pen? So that I actually do have an answer for. Okay. Um... The lady who does this is actually the wife of a Kaveco um, collector. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, the the entire family, I guess, is uh, they're they're lovers of Kaveco. Mm. And I've actually um, I've actually met this Kaveco lover before uh, at Kaveco box. Really mm. nice guy. Um, yeah, and, and there seems actually to be quite a lot of Kaveco lovers in. Turkey, mm. they're I suppose relatively inexpensive. There are lots of different colors, so mm. that makes them highly collectible. And so, yeah, um, I think just their love of like their family love of Kaveco, right? That is probably the reason why mm. um, it's done on the Kaveco sport. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. I am more positive to the Kaweco Sport than you are. Actually, I recently <laughs> got two Kaweco Sports. My only problem with the Kaweco Sport is the nib. So normally, I mean, we all, we talk often about swapping nibs, and these are number five size nib, but not all number five size nibs are are equal, right? These are unusually short nibs. So in box terms, I think it's called. 060. I think the reason to switch to Jovo, but I think the length is the same as this Bok 060. So you can't just take nibs you think of as number five size nibs. They are too long, too tall to fit in the Kaweco Sport. And that's exactly why I put a um, Pelican M400 gold nib in there. Oh, so those fit? Interesting. Okay. Those fit right on, no modifications to the feed. Uh, the trick is only to pop a M400 nib out. But hold on, I think we talked before about how Pelican's M200 and M400 nibs are similar to Sailor's small nibs in that the, 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 the diameter is like 5.5-ish. Isn't that the case? Uh, well, you know, you know what I'm going to try next then. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so um, so I agree the nibs are, are less than stellar on Kavecos, but mm. that doesn't mean there isn't a solution to it. Mm. And uh, we'll be exploring more. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to say about these pens is that I think they are uh, they're very similar to Maquie in the sense that the work is almost exactly the same, right? Mm. The process might be a little bit different, but it is still painstakingly difficult to to work on such a small scale and if you zoom in on the paintings you'll see that they are just extremely delicate extremely intricate and um one of these pens went for like 150 dollars it's not bad that's very affordable for for this kind of artwork yeah that's yeah so you can really tell this is a labor of love more than anything. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't sound like something you would make a lot of money off given what I, what I assume is a lot of time to, to, to make this. Yeah. 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 But very happy to have met them. And, and you know, I'm glad I was able to bring one of these back. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was real good. All right. Um, you got a, I believe this is a dip pen. Yes, yeah, so I went to Marazen earlier today and I went there to get some Kobayashi inks actually. So for some reason Marazen is selling Kobayashi inks right now. I'm not quite, quite sure why there's some kind of ink event, I guess. But as I was heading toward, you know, the cash register, I saw that they had this new Sailor Hokoro dip pen with a fuller nib. I think we talked about that a few episodes ago, how Sailor recently released or launched a new... Uh, two new nib options to the Hokoro lineup, mm-hmm. so a two millimeter stub and a Fude nib. So I've actually been, been looking for these just like as recently as one week ago. I went to both Marazen and Itoya and couldn't find them. And uh, they were sold out to Marazen, sorry, at, on Amazon, so they've been hard to find. But they had them at Marazen today, so I picked one up because I wanted to try them. And um, the short story is that I, I'm quite impressed this is this dip pen is a lot nicer than i actually expected it to be 
Um, so I think we have covered Hokuro before, but but just short recap. I think was this Hokuro Depends were launched first back in December last year. Uh, initially, were only available in fine and one millimeter stub, and then uh, this year and this month, they added, as we said, a stub. Sorry, two millimeter stub and a footer to the lineup. And there are two things that are kind of unusual about this Hokuro dip pen. The first thing is that the nib unit is designed to be removable so you could buy for example the one with a fine nib and later on you decide you want to try two millimeter stubs you can buy that nib unit separately and you can very easily uh, swap it the other thing which is perhaps even more interesting is that the hokoro pens actually come with a feed and this is i think is rather unusual for a dip pen right Mm mm-hmm and so I think we, we talked about that a few weeks ago or a few episodes ago. And I think you mentioned that when we talked about Pilot Iro Utsushi and you said that Sailor's Hokuro actually has a feed. And I think I said then that I, I don't want a feed on my dip pen because a if you think of a feed as a traditional fountain pen feed, then those tend to be difficult to clean, right? So... If you buy a dip pen in order to be able to quickly test different inks, then the last thing you want is a hard-to-clean feed on it, right? Um, and now you've seen the light of day. Yes, exactly. Because it turns out that the feeds on these Hokoro nibs are actually specially designed just for this pen, and they're specifically designed to be easy to clean. Sailor says that you can just dip them in water, just like any other dip nib, and and that's enough to clean them and then you're ready to to try a different ink and that seems to be the case so there's no really like problem with these uh, feeds they are very easy to clean but the big advantage of course with the feed is that it holds a lot of ink so we talked recently or i think i talked recently about pilots Edo utsushi pens and i think i said that with a medium nib at least you you dip it once and then you write like two lines and then it's out of ink right so it's not a very nice writing experience by comparison um this hokoro nib lets me write a full page a full b5 page on a single Dip. And I'm not talking about like a fine nib here. I'm talking about a food nib, which is like a double broad. It lays on a lot of inks. And so you have a consistent ink flow and, and, and you can write a full page. Actually, you can probably write more because I ran out of paper before I ran out of ink. So I'm not sure what the limit is. <laughs> uh, but it really works well. And the, the nib is a lot of fun. So to no one's surprise, it's very similar to Sailor's Food de Mannen. Fuder names, so it's like more expressive than like a pen BBS or D like mini Fuder, but it's not as extreme as say like a Jinhao or or Duke like big Fuder nib. So it's it's sort of like a happy medium. You get this like a double broad brush like strokes, and again you can write a full page. So it really works, and I, yeah yeah I'm impressed. Taylor has a winner here. Have you tried the this one? No, I haven't tried the um Hokoro itself but I'm not surprised at your review because the feed does look real good and I mean it's a it's I think you know Sailor finally found a winner maybe in the low cost 
um, space. We know that they've not been particularly successful with the with juniors. Um, we know that they've tried to be in this low cost space in quite a while. But yeah, taking advantage of the Ink Numa, I think they're they're the leaders of the big three in this Ink Numa trend. So you know, no wonder they developed an excellent product for it because they really understand the that market, right? Yeah, and this is definitely a more thoughtfully designed product than Pilot's Iru Utsushi because Pilot's Iru Utsushi is really just like a standard nib holder with a Kakuno nib as we have established before, right? Mm-hmm. And, there, and there isn't much to it, but, but here you have a you have a special design feed and you can also, and it's also portable in the sense that you can take the nib unit and you just you can insert it with with the nib facing inward toward the barrel, right? So you don't actually need a cap, and it's very it's very portable. So it's yep. been a lot more thought going into this pen than the Pilot's Iro Sushi, I think. But but it doesn't seem to be widely available. I, I did some Google search earlier today trying to find out, and it doesn't seem to be available in the West, at least. I saw some like web online stores in Singapore selling it. I'm not sure if that's grey import, but as far as I can tell, Sailor hasn't made much of an effort to sell this pen outside Japan yet. I'm not sure why. I'm hoping they will make it more available soon. Yeah, I hope so too. And um, yeah, and so going back to that Pilot Iro Utsushi, I think I said back then that Pilot Iro Utsushi is kind of an acceptable alternative to a glass pen if, if you can't get hold of a glass pen but it's not quite the same experience it's not quite as good right you would never you would never choose a pilot Iro Tushi over a gla- over a good glass pen if you have the choice but here with this Sailor Hokoro I would yeah. choose this over I think any of my glass pens because I have more fun using this dip pen than any of the glass pens I've tried so far. So I'm really impressed. I'm really enjoying this. I'm going to be using this little dip pen a lot. I think the um, the if you want to write, I feel like glass is is um, glass is not a soft material. Right. Right, so it doesn't allow, it doesn't speak to your hand as a metal pen would. Mm. Um, so I think for writing, maybe, I think for swatching, what I've been doing is using one of those italic nibs, I'm just taking a quick pass and then writing the name underneath. And I find that that works mm. really, really well. But I think, yeah, you're right. If you're doing writing, Mm. Um. Yeah, I think you still can't beat a metal nib. But I think that's one of the differences between, you know, the uh, like ink pen community in Japan and and broadly in the West. Because if you think about, at least in the fountain pen community, when people talk about dip pens, they think about they talk about pens they use just for ink swatching, just to write the name of the ink and then they do a swatch and and that that's it, right? I think in Japan, it's more common to actually use the glass pens or use the dip pens for writing and for drawing, right? So you, you dip it once and you do like a full drawing on a page or you write a full letter with your dip pen instead of using a fountain pen. So I think the, the user's pattern is actually different. So it's more important um, 
for the like the Japanese users pattern to actually be able to write a lot on a single dip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alrighty, so shall we um, move to some pen news? While we are kind of on the topic of Marazen, so let me continue on that thread. So as I said, I went to Marazen earlier today and I asked them again, as I have every few weeks now, if there's going to be a a pen show, a Marazen pen show in, in this autumn. So last time, Shishikura kind of indirectly mm-hmm. confirmed it by, by telling me that it's going to be this lemon pen, right? But but, but she didn't yeah. explicitly tell me that's going to be an autumn event. This time, they actually confirmed it and even gave me the date. So from September 14th to September 20th is is the, the, the date for this year's Marathon Autumn pen event. September 14th to... Sorry, September 20th. 20th. Oh, okay. And that's going yes. to be held at the two locations, right? So they only said Marathon. Sorry, they only said Nihonbashi. I'm not sure if they didn't know about uh, Marunouchi or or if they misunderstood my question, but they only said Nihonbashi. Okay, okay. Um, but there are two pens. They didn't want to elaborate on what pens going to be available. So all I have is the information from Shishikura last time that there's going to be uh, two Shishikura pens, one sold by Shishikura herself and one lemon pen sold via Mars. And I'm assuming just based on history that it's going to be a pilot pen as well, but they weren't willing to tell me about it. All right. All right. I have to wait for the postcard. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we'll see what the postcard says, but. Yes, yeah. that should be very soon. Yeah. All right. Next topic. We kind of talked about this um, before, but in my article, um, we or in my Wancha article, sorry, my Wancha article, we mentioned a uh, a quote unquote company called Penwing Stationery. Mm. Now, Penwing Stationery. Um, is owned by Wancher. Okay, I think that line has been clearly established. And Penwing um, Stationery is known for taking uh, decals and stickers from places like uh, Rakuten Market, putting them on pens, and then doing a quick lacquer finish and calling them Modern Maquillé. Mm. So they're saying that they are Urushi pens. They're, they actually say they're practitioners of Urushi arts. And the thing about pen wing stationery is that the prices were unbelievable. Mm. Right? Like we're talking about prices that are you know, almost the same as a retail price on some of these pens. So it was literally a too-good-to-be-true situation. So on my article, I um, included them in the expose and uh, Mm. showed various uh, different photos that show that they are, in fact, using $7 decals, slapping them on pens, and and then passing them off as Urushi. About, I think it's been about 
a month, maybe a month and a half since that. Penwing Stationery has uh, sent out an email to, I suppose, their subscribers. It says, after our 30% off special buy buy. Uh, 2022 summer campaign ends we have decided to forever close a store uh, with a crying emoji started five years ago from selling fountain pens in ebay to owning an online store that customized fountain pens with urushi arts from our local artisans we are proud to say that we had a journey we oh sorry we are proud to say that what a journey we've had we've had people who truly appreciate our work and service to people who shamed us for not delivering the same quality as the Miki and other Maki establishments. All we've done now and in the past was never to scam or fool our customers who do not overcharge and we give the price our customers wanted and a price that can support our local artisans. And we try to be as much transparent as we can. We only desire to see the artistic pen market expand and increase, giving customers more and more beautifully made pens with more affordable price and fast, faster delivery service. Who knows? I may return to customizing fountain pens in the past. Hmm? I may return to customizing fountain pens in the past. But as of today, I have decided to close this chapter and focus on the next chapter ahead. Thank you, our loyal customers and supporters from the beginning your support always meant the world to me. We love you, and you can always contact us if your pen needs repair or replacements. Thank you, Aishi Yasu. Uh, what do you think? I think this part is the key. What we have done now and in the past was never to scam or fool our customers. If you are closing you're best shutting down your business because you know that there's no profitability or you want to do something else or something like that you would never write this you would never write this unless you are being accused of this right so i think that sentence is is the key to this whole thing why would you write this unless you're being accused of scamming or fooling your customers oh well i did accuse them of scamming and fooling their customers it may be all your fault then. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, I, I, I think the, the previous sentence is, is also quite key to this. It says, blah, 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 people who've shamed us for not delivering the same quality as Namiki or other Maki establishments. Mm. I think there are two key points here. First of all, the sentence appears to be a claim from Penwing Stationery to, to try to place themselves as a Maquier establishment. Um, and second of all, I think uh, the the wording, you know, people shamed us for not delivering the same quality as the Mika. I don't think people were shaming them for not delivering the same quality as the Miki. Right, uh, Nakaya doesn't have the same quality as Namiki. Now you you're into controversial t territory. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, we're being realistic. Uh, not many brands can be the same quality as Namiki, right? Sure. 
Sure. I'd, I'd argue that most Urushi artists out there who are working on pens are not the same level as Namiki because Namiki are just the best. So I think there's a bit of ego and a bit of um, self uh, self pity in this um, in this article uh, or in this email, which I do not think is necessarily um, justified. But that goes into the part that you have talked about, right? What we've done now in the past was never to scam or fool our customers. So, um, I think that at the best, we can, we can, uh, we can kind of, how do I put this? At best, I think we can give them the benefit of the doubt. And we can say they might not have had the intention to scam their customers. Um, they might have intended to do the best things, but um, by virtue of placing stickers and calling them maquier and and actually describing themselves as maquier establishment uh, is, you know, um, in fact, scamming and fooling customers, especially when you're not transparent about what that art is um and i think the second thing is we do not overcharge and we give our price to customers wanted the prices were really unbelievable i mean the prices were like ten dollars above retail price so that begs the question how, how did they get these pens we know that the business culture here is such that pilot sailor platinum they would never sell their pens to people who to aftermarket customization. Otherwise, you know, we talked to Style Art about this, right? I mean, Style Art, they can't even get nibs. So th there, there's just no way that um, that these these guys would be able to get pens from these big manufacturers without going through um, Wancher, which is their parent company, M might be even the same people. So I think there are so many questions here that lack that transparency for them to, to claim that they have been as much transparent as they can be. The whole thing sounds like, you know, the, the, the ruse was, was uncovered. It, it blew up. People started complaining. People started writing in, and uh, from what I see, uh, it probably became untenable for for pen wing stationery. And this is not a, an article that you would write. I mean, you you might you might say right. You might say if you're pen wing stationery, you might you know deny the accusations, um, like. For example, you know, Twisby and Narwhal, right? You know, they both denied that they were copying each other, blah, 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 blah. But you don't shut down your business for this if it's still financially viable, right? Yeah, and, and that goes back to this sentence where they say, you know, our intention was not to scam or fool our customers.
the only to me the only possible interpretation is that they are shutting down the business because they have so many customer complaints and accusations that it becomes untenable. And so this thing that's it. I have decided to close this chapter and focus on the next chapter ahead. Um, kind of uh, leads me to assume that there there will be a next chapter. So I'm going to stay vigilant. Um, keep an eye out for similarly made, um, you know, uh, Squarespace websites or um, whatever they're using, Shopify websites. So while we are on the topic of lack of transparency, one thing that's interesting and quite unusual about both Penwings and Pensachis websites is that there is no information about who the seller is. I mean, sure, it says Penwing Stationery and it says Pensachis, but those are not names of legal entities, right? Yes. We, and if you go to the About page, it says, you know, we are Pensachis, we are Penwing Stationery. But again, that is not a legal entity. There's no company with that name and there's no, no registration mention of the individuals involved, which is so interesting because if you go to almost any Japanese online store, even your smallest like mom and pop store on like base or Shopify, if you scroll down a bit, it's going to be a page that says notation in accordance with act of specified commercial transactions because there's a law in Japan. There's a law in Japan that says that if you have an online store and if you sell to domestic customers, you have to specify a number of things, including who is this, who the seller is, what is the address, what is the means of payment, return policy, and so on. Now, I think they get away with it, both Pensachi and Penwing, because they probably don't sell to any domestic customers but I think it's still interesting that they never mention anywhere who the, who they are who are the people behind this what is the organization if any behind this well if um if you look at the Pensachi about us page right it says that um you know how we made Pensachi my name is Ken Katsumoto um it, they have like names so so even this guy just now in the in the pen wing um uh bye bye letter it says his um what do you say he was it says he is uh Eishi yasu and so they have names to me the first time i've seen that name i don't think you can find no. that name on penwing stationer's website on penwing stationer's website no but i i think what's what's to the point is that they don't have registries right um and again, as you said, even the smallest stores, they'll say, you know, uh, complying with whatever law. Uh, and sometimes um, you'll have like the or, or you're, you're supposed to have your business address on there. You're, you're supposed to have a, a registration number because, you know, as everybody knows, Japan is the land of registration. Um, and... Yeah, and I did point this out. It is so strange that these quote-unquote companies have no registration, um, but then they build themselves as corporations. They're, they're not saying that they're an individual person selling stuff, right? It, it's not like, um, like and he told the guy that makes crabs, the, the crab stands, the crab pen stands, right? He, he's, he's a dude who's making this and painting this and selling them outside. Um, they're actually 
trying to build themselves as fully fledged uh, e-commerce websites. And I, I think even JP Select has this, you know, compliant with whatever, blah, 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 blah. Exactly. You can see if you go to JP Select website, you can see that they are based in Yokohama and so on. They are required to put that information there. But that information is absent yeah. from both Penwings and Pensage's website. Yeah. So, again, really just... Um, I, I wouldn't say that the stuff that you get from them uh, are, let's say... Uh, how do I say this? Um, they're not like... They're not like um, you're. You're going to get a real pilot. You're. You're going to get a real sailor pen. It's not. It's not some counterfeit pen. Um, in the case of pen wing, you might get some counterfeit urushi, but like the the base products themselves, they're real. They're real pens. Mm. Um, but you know, just this connection, this this behind the the doors. Um, you know, behind the scenes kind of activity, it's just so suspicious. We talked before about this Rock 10 store, uh, Honey Hunt, right? Or Pen Life slash Honey Hunt. The reason why we know that that store is owned by Mr. Wancher, uh, Taizo Okagaki, is because he is required by law to disclose that information so you go to rock 10 you go to that store you go to, you go to like the, the about section and it's there right there it says representative taizu okagaki and it says this bungo takada because he's required by law to put that information there so that's how we are able to make that link yep and you found something interesting as well because um we are um in the article we uh, I talked about this company, THC, which was this mysterious company uh, that, right. you know, wasn't wasn't based in Japan. And mm. I didn't bother writing this part in the article, but um, uh, Taizo Kagaki actually first registered his business in the United States because it was easier to get a business license in the United States. And then he moved Wancher eventually over to Japan but Honey Hunt is apparently still registered in the United States in Honolulu. So I, you know, I, I suppose they would also be subject to U.S. law, at least at least Honey Hunt, right? Not necessarily Wancher Wancher, but um, but Honey Hunt themselves, or the 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 website that's selling stuff on Rakuten on behalf of Wancher. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. That's uh that's some uh pen wing stationary drama for for you all. Um onto onto a few more news items. Uh we have a new stationary event at Mitsukoshi. And this is I believe I want to say it's hosted by Stationary Station um or maybe they're just part of it. But uh the the Event name is Nihon no Monozukuri, and um, Stationary Station. Uh, they they call this a stationary fair, which just means that you know there are a lot of vendors that bring their stuff and they sell stuff. And I believe this is we had a stationary event uh, hosted by Stationary Station, the Ink event. Um, I believe this spring, not long after they opened. And this will be the second stationary event uh, hosted by them in a long time, right? 
to me, the most interesting thing is if you look at the dates and if you, if you remember what I just said about the Mars and event dates, mm-hmm. exactly the same. They overlap. Exactly the same, the 14th yep. to the 20th. Yep. <laughs> yep. And um, yeah, so it, it seems like, it, it sounds like um, Mitsukoshi is really trying hard to get back into the stationary game. Mm. I, I think that's good. And you know what? Uh, they're going to have Toyoka Craft, which is huge. Mm. Um, and then they're going to have Gurikobo, which is more glass pens. Look at the other um, companies. It's more towards the casual stationary side. I would say like um, Arisa and Akamegane. Like that's more like stamps. More, uh, this some these are these are stores that you see at Bungajoshi. This is a slightly different audience than the people who would go to this Marazen event because again, Marazen will have Shishikura pens and most likely pilot pens. Right? Yeah. It, it's hard to compete with that. It's a slightly different niche. But I think that this Mitsukoshi event will be. I don't know about the the sales numbers, but at least they will draw huge crowds, way bigger than than the Mitsuko, uh sorry than the Mar- uh yeah than the Madison event. Oh, you think so? Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because these names. I mean, if you've seen people <laughs> who try to buy this stuff um, at Bunga Joshi, it's wild. Um, shall we go on to the next topic? Sure. All right. So. Um, there's been rumblings, uh, and ever since we did our episode on Tomoe River, people have been asking, so it's been like a year now, right? People have been asking, mm. what's Hobonichi going to use now that Tomoe River is gone? And last year, so get, meaning 2022, um, Hobonichi was still on the old, uh, number seven Tomoe River. Mm. Obviously, they can't use that forever right so uh on the 23rd of august they're actually going to have an announcement about uh tomoe river but aren't they kind of revealing what's going to happen in in the the short description all of the tomoe river paper for the techo there is only one tomoe river right now i mean what 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 else can it be so i i don't think that they're gonna say, "Oh, yeah, it's you know not Tom River anymore," but I think um, I think it'll be interesting to see how they frame it because I think a lot of the audience for um, for Hobonichi is not um, is not necessarily uh, the fountain pen community. Uh, sure, some a, a subset use fountain pens, but I think they have a much wider audience, and um, I think it'll be interesting to see how they bill this um Tomer river I, I believe they should be on sanzen now and um i think yeah some people are going to love it some people are going to hate it most people aren't going to be able to tell the difference and as we established in the previous episode um many of the uh, hobonichi users are probably also pilot friction fans so uh, and i wonder if you're going to phrase it uh, in terms of friction f- friendliness yeah so um i'm not really following the other events but this event i i want to i want to i want to see yeah could be interesting and the only thing that could be surprising if that if, if they don't use quote-unquote stock 
Sans and Tomb River S, but something I customized for them. I, I don't think that would happen, but it's a possibility. If that happens, um, then there'll be big news and we'll be all excited. <laughs> yeah, because related to that, you know, we have talked to, we have talked about this Iroful paper by uh, Sakai Technical Paper, which seems remarkably similar to Cosmo Air Light. Yep. But apparently, or at least I've seen some uh, like ink swatches that suggest it's not exactly the same. So I wonder if, if that's also a case where there might be some slight customization for, for um, you know, one company. In fact, next weekend, um, there's this big uh, Inkunuma event in Shinjuku and both uh, Alessa and I are going and uh, Sakai Technical Paper is going to be there. I'm going to be pressing them about information <laughs> about uh, Eiderfall and, and if there's any difference between Eiderfall and Cosmo Light and if so, what's the deal? Do they have some kind of special customization or what if it, is it just marketing? Excellent, excellent. So we'll be looking forward to that episode. <laughs> All right. Um, now a little bit about the U.S., um, I had the opportunity to work at uh, several different stores. Um, we held grinding events across the country. And um, last weekend, I was at Dromgul Stationery. And um, this uh, this weekend, I was at Yoseka. And um, it was a lot of fun. I, I'm very uh, humbled to be invited by... Uh, drum bulls and uh, Yoseka to use their space um, and to help their customers uh, work on their pens. I don't really talk about my grinding uh, on the podcast a lot, but I thought, you know, this, I, I met a lot of podcast listeners um, at these events. And I think I talked a little bit about this last time, but it is really surreal when you, when you look at the statistics, right, on, you know, you know, we, we see the statistics of the of the podcast. When you look at the statistics, it's like, oh, you know, two thousand people listen to the podcast. It's it's just a number. And you think, oh, two thousand, that's that's not that much. But then when you're at these events and the you know, customer after customer after customer, they're just telling you, Oh, I listen to the podcast. Uh, people are like, Oh, I listen to it religiously. Um it's the first thing that I, I, I do. And it is a really humbling experience. Um, but yeah, the two events were, were very successful. I never left the table um, almost at either event. And it was, it was, it was a great time. Uh, I got to work on a lot of different uh, pens. There was uh, one gentleman who was about 91 years old. And uh, his wife had passed away. But about 60 years ago, like he, I think he said 1962, his wife bought him a Lamy uh, 2000. And the pen always wrote too thick for him. So he had it sent to Lamy twice to swap out the nibs. But it was still, even the EF was too thick. So he had asked me to grind the nib down uh, so that he can use it again. And it would be a good way to remember his late wife. And, you know, imagine <laughs> working on a pen like that. Uh, I worked on a lot of expensive pens, but none that gave me as much butt clenching as that one. Um, so, yeah, really humbled. Uh, there's, I think, the difference between 
the U.S. Uh, stores and the Japanese stores, I would say, is um, and it, it, I think it reflects also in terms of like the culture too. But there is a lot of sense of community in these stores. Um, so I think the only store that's really close to replicating that is Bunga Box, where you know you go to Bunga Box and some people, some folks who know each other, will be like, "Oh, hi," and you know they'll have a discussion. Um, but that's not something that you really see at uh, at other shops. Like, definitely not at Shosaikan, definitely not at Marizen. Um, but over there, or over here, I suppose, where I am right now, uh, even people, even customers who don't really know each other, uh, they'll they'll sit at my table, um, you know, waiting for their, their grind note. They'll be like, oh, what's going on? And they'll strike up a conversation, show each other, uh, what they've bought, you know, their latest and greatest. And, um, yeah, there was a real sense of community, um, uh, both in Drongles and in Yoseka. So I, I thought that was really nice. Um, Yoseka in particular, I think, is, uh, we've talked about the store um, for quite a long time now. Uh, it's the first time for us to see physically um, the shop, and it's it's very impressive. And I was talking to one of the customers, and I said, this is where vision meets execution. The store is incredibly well done. It's incredibly well done, Jacob. If if the store was in Japan, it would be probably one of the top three stores um, in Japan. So it's, you know, hats off to, to the team at Yoseka. Hats off to uh, Daisy and Neil, who obviously had uh, a fantastic, beautiful vision for their store. And um, for everybody uh, in the staff who's helped make this come to life, because when you're in the shop, you don't feel like you're in the United States. You don't feel like you're in Brooklyn. You feel like you're in a different world. And there's all this Asian stationery there. You can try everything, and it's really an experience. So um, I really hope that you get to come out here to see Yoseka. Uh, one day, maybe uh, in the future, uh, we'll have a podcast um, <laughs> podcast adventure. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really cool. I would imagine that Yoseka is a bit more like Asia focused than Drungles. So, if that is correct, was that in any way reflected in the kind of nib grinds that people were asking for, or put it differently, were more people asking for like Naginata style grinds at Yoseka than at Drungles? Um, so what's interesting about, uh, let me talk about drum goals first. Drum goals, um, looks like an office supply store that is filled with fountain pens. Um, this is not necessarily a, a negative, but it, it, it looks more close to the kind of, uh, sta- you know, kind of like a standard stationary store that you'd find in Japan where there are lots of display cases, uh, lots of fantastic pens, but everything is behind a case. And of course you can ask, uh, ask people to take out. So, so it looks more like Marizen, right? Um, which, which, is, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and they have obviously a lot of customers. But um, I think... For Drongles, a lot of people came in because they were listeners of the podcast. Um, 
and you know i got these like you know cursive italic stubs architects blah blah blah. but a lot of people also came in and be like hey i just want your specialty i want something that um that you're known for um but at drum goals most people you know and and this goes into a little bit about the next topic most people um were grinding yogo nibs uh and sometimes bach nibs so instead of full naginata the most you can really do is like a mini naginata but i'd say maybe like 20% to 30% was that. Um, at Yoseka, I would say um, maybe 60% of the people uh, knew me from the podcast and 40% of the people signed up because they saw uh, Yoseka do a video about the event and they, they saw it on the Yoseka uh, newsletter. And that, that, was, uh, that was different. Um, so I got to meet a lot of people who uh, have not necessarily been exposed to the podcast. Um, got to chat with a lot of folks out here uh, in New York. And there were a lot of, um, you know, I want this pen to write a bit wetter. Um, and one thing that surprised me is that in Japan, when, when we buy pilot nibs, um, I feel like every pilot nib is just perfect. But here I've seen a lot of pilot nibs that are just so tight that ink doesn't come out. Um, so I did a lot of like these ink flow adjustments. I, I did a lot of like smoothing. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was different. That was different. And that brings me to the, the next little bit here, uh, which is, um, I'm sure you've got this question a lot over the years as well. But the age-old debate between gold nibs and steel nibs. <laughs> Have you been asked this? But I'm not as opinionated about that as you are. I, I'm more agnostic. I'm happy with either. Mm. So, um, a lot of folks might not realize, but in Japan, 99% uh, of the nibs I grind are gold. Because it doesn't make sense to ask me to go buy a steel nib, grind it, and then, you know, send it to wherever it is so 99% of the of the nibs I grind are gold um and I never realized how lucky I was to to grind gold nibs um steel nibs uh they're fine they're they're, they're perfectly fine but there there is I think a difference and before this trip I wasn't really able to pin my finger you know directly on it but um I think gold is a responsive metal it really reacts to the pressure that's placed on it and it returns to its position easier so um i think it's easier to adjust a gold nib for like misalignment and stuff like that because uh because it, it kind of bounces back to where it was and you can slowly go about it steel once you bend it it's bent it doesn't return to its position and in a way i feel like that demands an even lighter hand in order to use a steel nib for longer so i think um a gold nib is is really great uh it, it's responsive to to the way that you write with it whereas a steel nib asks more that um you know you really take care not to not to push it too much um you really take care uh, and, and once it's pushed, it, it doesn't come back. So so there's less leeway. And I think it makes sense um, then that gold nibs are easier to uh, repair 
when you think about like bent nibs, um, it's a lot easier to to straighten a gold nib than a steel nib because um, the nib is just more more uh, responsive to that kind of uh, that kind of work. So I did want to um, address this, and I think um, the tipping on gold nibs are always, I think, very stable. Whereas I have had uh, a few steel nibs where the tipping is chipped off. So just an interesting observation that that I've had over the past three or four weeks. Um, obviously now grinding a lot of steel nibs here. But one thing I've noticed about, say, if you if you go to if you go to Nagahara's Twitter feed or if you if you go to the pen shows when he's grinding, it's not uncommon to see people asking Nagahara to grind like Kakunos or Procyons or all kinds of pens where the cost of the pen is less than the cost of the nib grind. I don't think that's that uncommon here. Yeah. Um uh I see I see Nagahara-san doing that um quite a lot and he has a bunch of like preppies and kakunos on his table, right? Um but I think do they ask him to grind like like I don't I don't see people asking him to like actually grind stuff. It's more like maybe stuff that he's pre-ground or um cuz cuz with a kakuno nib you can't really you can't really do much even with a kakuno nib, right? Like you can do like a fude. Um but that's exactly what I've seen of people asking him to do fude or like kakunos and, and prosios. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, I guess makes sense but 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 you're paying more for the grind than for the pen. Yeah. Um, but but then with a fude nib, you're not really, uh, I suppose there, there's like, it's more of shaping the the nib itself rather than grinding the tipping. Um, so I, I don't know. Obviously Nagahara does um, the Franklin Christoph pens, so so he's obviously doing steel nibs as well. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely I think more palatable if you are uh if you're not paying extra for the shipping costs mm. and because you know you can buy kakunos in the united states so nobody would ask me to go buy them a kakuno and and ship it over um whereas in japan like you wouldn't you know have a kakuno sent to let's say mark bakas and then have it sent back right so i think that's that's quite similar and even here um the grind does cost more than a nib uh even for the steel nibs um, here, right? Because what steel nib costs like what 15, 20 bucks. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's it's more about that shipping um, issue. So I have a whole different question about your nib grinding because I think you are at the crossroads where you need to decide whether what you're doing here is a side hustle or your like main gig. And in the latter case, if this is going to be your full-time job is japan the best place to be or are your most of your customers in the u.s would it make more financial sense for you to be in the u.s and do go to the various um, retailers in the u.s yeah so so there's definitely more of a market here um but but I'll, i'll be in japan and there's more to the business than than grinding i think grinding is a is a launching pad 
for me. Uh, I, I I hope I'm not full time grinding in twenty years. Um, I wanna I wanna run the business right. Um, and the thing with grinding is that you can only do so many in a day, which means that it's almost like Urushi in the sense that you've capped your earnings potential. Um, so you can earn more, but you know you're you're not like eating or sleeping. Um, so there is a vision um, of doing more. There is a vision of being in the space, and that vision does involve me being in Japan um, and spending you know several months in the U.S., several months in Europe. So I might not be in Japan for twelve months out of the year, but at least you know six months. Uh, six to nine months. Uh, that is that is that is the vision, um, and there is a plan. But I won't tell everybody the vision and the plan here. Right. <laughs> um, we'll we'll talk about this offline. But yeah, I I I I want to be in Japan, and I think um, being in Japan has a lot of various different advantages. The biggest one being that you are in the land of stationery, and um, a lot of people listen to this podcast because we have so much access to information mm. okay okay um okay last quick thing that i want to touch on is that next weekend is the san francisco pen show and um i believe there are only four major podcasts about pens um and overall stationery right now there is um the pen addict obviously the big daddy um, there's the Stationery Cafe, which is more um, general stationery and uh, journaling focused. There's the Goulet Pencast, which is more business focused, as in you know running a business. And there's us, which is which is Japan focused. We'll all be in a room together next Saturday, um, San Francisco time, to record a 40 minute, or I don't know if we're going to record, but we're, it's going to be a, a 40 minute um, talk show slash panel where we answer listener questions um and this who are we in this context yes so it's it's um it's organized right now by april from penguins creative okay um and it'll have uh april kelly from the uh stationer cafe it'll have brad dowdy from the pen addict okay it'll have drew brown from the Goulet pencast and and i will be there from tokyo inklings okay so so it's like uh the the <laughs> it's like it's like the avengers mashup of of uh of pent uh podcasts um so that will happen uh next saturday um and brad dowdy has done a post about it as well i think so um check the post for details so this is going to be some kind of live streaming video i don't thing? i don't know if we're going to be able to live stream uh hopefully we'll be able to hopefully we'll be able to even record it I'm not sure about the audio quality, but um, I think this is very cool. I will certainly try to have it recorded, but it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be cool. Um, and if you haven't already, check out this week's um, Hulu Pencast. I talk for like thirty minutes on it. I think I'm on like another one in a few weeks. Um, so yeah. Check that out. And also I was on Yoseka's uh, What's in Your Pen Case um, this week. So if you have the time, please check it out. Yeah, sounds interesting. Actually, related to that, though, 
there seem to be fewer pen podcasts now than before. Like some of them have been just, I don't know, I, I'm not sure if they are just stopped or if they are just on like... <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on. I, I really miss definite hiatus. The yeah, I really miss the the nib section, and then there was FPC. I'm not sure what's going on with that one. Um, was it Bent Tynes and then two yeah. guys? And uh, I'm sure yeah. I'm missing someone. There's there's also a stationary orbit, I think. And then there's one there's one in Spanish that that looking at the Instagram post it always seems so interesting but but I don't understand it in Spanish I I, <laughs> I wish I I could listen and follow that podcast but uh, my my Spanish is not good enough. Um, so I, I talked to Annabelle Hiller. Um, she works at Apple Boom as their nib specialist, and um, and she was uh, on FPC. Um, I think the organization just got too much. Um, because they had like five different people um, <laughs> on the podcast. It just got too much. Uh, so I don't think that's coming back anytime soon. Um, ben Tynes, they, they say, and, you know, um, Inky Cat writes, she's a doctor. So um, she's, she's busy <laughs> saving lives. Uh, unlike us, <laughs> we're, we're busy ruining lives, spending, uh, spending other people's money. <laughs> but um, no, uh, that's a joke, guys. We are not ruining lives. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, she was saying that she wanted to find an editor to help her out. Um, and yeah, it, it's just gotten too busy where they, they don't have time to edit the podcast. Um, and yeah, I'm not sure about the nib section, but th there sure were a lot more pen podcasts back then. There's one, uh, now that we haven't really mentioned. It's called, uh, Fountain Pen and Stationery. And... Um, there are two guys, uh, Frank and Collins, who's who's running that podcast. And, you know, sometimes I do listen to that. Um, actually, I, I listen to all their episodes. But um, And then there's, like, Penboy Roy, I think. But I don't I don't really listen. Um, yeah, I, I'm not as in tune with the Penboy Roy uh, podcast. Um, but, yeah, th there's them. But I think in terms of the... Oh, and there's Anderson Pence. Anderson Pence does, does uh, their, their podcast, but it's very much i think focused more around the commercial um at least that one episode that i heard but um but otherwise i think yeah the ones with the biggest followings are are definitely um the four that are going to be at the sf pen show oh and there's also the pen turn as the pen turns but that's more of like a pen making podcast right 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 yeah i i haven't listened to that one yet but but uh, i've heard about it so I think that's it. That's been a, a relatively long episode. Um, and uh, we did have a listener question uh, that we'll get into maybe next episode. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I think uh, I think that's a wrap. Jacob, anything else you want to add? No, I'm, I'm hungry. I need to go have some dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. It, it's late in Japan. So yes. um, please go and uh, nourish yourself. <laughs> I will. All right, all right. Okay, thank you everybody so much for again tuning into uh, episode sixty-four. We really, really appreciate everybody's support. And as I have said, um, I've been meeting a lot of you uh, out here at these events, and um, you know it, it is very humbling. Um, and thank you all so much for coming up and saying hello. 
uh, please don't hesitate if you see us out in the wild, whether it be in the United States or it be in Japan. Um, you know, don't be a stranger. Come up and say hi. I'm not going to know who you are, so please tell me your Instagram handle. <laughs> I get a lot of, hi, I'm John. Um, I listen to the podcast and my reaction is always like, hi, John. Uh, really nice to meet you. What's your Instagram handle? So yeah, come up, say hi. Um, let us know who you are. Um, and uh, yeah, we're always really happy to meet you. Uh, make sure to tell a friend, um, you know, spread the word of the podcast, and we'll see you next time. My name is uh, CY. My, uh, you can find me at my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I'm Fudafan on Instagram and on Twitter, and I blog at fudafan.com. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.